Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com if you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com that's terryryan2020 at gmail.com Another episode, number 70 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Glad to be with you again this week. Lots of exciting happenings. The NFL is off and running. The NHL is about to get off and running. The NBA has some interesting storylines coming for another upcoming season. And the Jays going to say they're on fire they were on fire now they're just cooling off a little bit but it's a tight race jays red Sox, yankees oakland the american league is uh i mean if you're a canadian and you're a moderate sports fan you probably know the jays are really making a playoff push and i must say they've turned around they've turned it around quick um I believe the early 90s, let's say 93, whenever they won it back-to-back. I think 93 was the last of that. Till like, what, 15 or 16, they didn't make the playoffs. And from that team five years ago, from Donaldson to Tulowitzki to Encarnacion, Bautista, Pilar, go down the lineup. Um, 
all their stars. Well, everybody, they're all gone. And they completely turned over a new team. And five years later, they're not only knocking at the door, they got the arguable MVP invited Guerrero. Marcus Semyon, I mean, 40-odd dingers as an infielder. Hernandez, well, I mean, I go down the list. It's not a baseball podcast by any means, but there's a lot of great storylines with the Jays. And I think, you know, we're, we're all ready, aren't we, to be cynical when teams tank or they don't live up to expectation. In this particular case, I think the Jays need to be applauded for what they did. And I must say, two years ago even, I was thinking, I don't know if this is going to... Oh, there's the phone. Literally just press record, you're on air. Can I call you back? I was just going to say, if you can meet me at Sportscraft, because I got to skate at six, but I'll call you after this because I'm going to buy Penny Lane new cleats. Okay. Okay. And that was Danielle, my ex-wife. Normally I would just pause that out, but I didn't. Anyway, yeah, the Jays. Leafs. Interesting again. I don't think you can really judge them till the playoffs. I hate to say that. I've been in that position. You know, I, I remember losing, you know, not in that kind of limelight, of course, but over the years, whether it was world championships or major junior, the minors, senior hockey, even whatever. It's all relative. I mean, there's a lot more pressure on Matthews, Marner and company. Uh, those two in particular, I think. Eh, you know, you put up the points. You dominate. You sign the contract. You leave yourself open to it. But I, I wish them luck. I wouldn't. I, I think they both care, right? Obviously. I mean, if Matthews didn't care, he wouldn't be the best goal scorer in the league. No offense to Ovi or anybody else. I think right now, Matthew, well, you got the most goals. Until someone else gets the most. You got to go by something. He's the best goal scorer in the league. Marner, I love watching him. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Love watching his creativity, speed. The guy even blocks shots once in a while. Just He's still young, though. There's no way people's, you know, your mind, I'm not going to say can be weak. I mean, it can be weak, but I'm not saying Mitch Marner has a weak mind. But this is what strengthens it and builds character, as you say, how he responds. He's had two bad playoffs in a row. No more than that. I mean, you know, the guy's human. He tries. He wasn't out there trying to lose. Pressure got to him. Now, what are you going to do? You know, rebound. Be a man, sack up, go do it. And, um, you know, Washington did the same thing for years. Chicago, Tampa Bay. You know, that's what happens. If you're... Uh, if we judged everybody on what they did 24 years old and younger, then I think many of our stars wouldn't be as respected as they are. And a guy like Connor McDavid hasn't done anything. So, and I'm sure he will, starting with the Olympics. But uh, anyway, I'm just saying. But this, if this is crunch time. If, if the boys don't get it done, at least in my mind, win around. This year, with, with that offense and with the management and the brass, the coach just all preaching 
just wait time patience and all that even if it's bounces you just got a clean house that's the way it goes that's what i think maybe it won't happen but and again more power to them but i've always said like if you're mitch marner you kind of put this pressure on yourself matthews as well and whoever signs a huge deal and holds out but i just ra- i mean you're set for life anyway right and i if it's me and i'm marner i'm going give me nine you know i think he gets 10.9 give me nine million for like seven or eight nine ten years whatever you know i'm, I'm gonna be have close to a hundred million dollars when it's done couldn't spend it in a lifetime if you wanted to so for me and, and you'd be beloved I, I think he's beloved anyway and i'm not knocking him for this i'm just saying if, if for me it's it's money isn't everything it would be peace of mind but again i know that having failed at many things having faced crazy adversity i don't know actually i do know but i'm not positive what i would have done at 20 or 21 his age but i'm pretty sure i mean i did play up there for a bit i had lots of money it didn't really change me if anything i wasted some of it i mean i ask my buddies they had a good time wasn't all booze either we we traveled uh we, you know, went fishing, golfing, whatever it might have been. It wasn't just all partying, and a lot was taxed. I'll tell you that story again soon. I haven't done it in 20 episodes or so, how I blew most of my signing bonus, which was $1.25 million. Mm. 1.25 minus 1.25 equals zero, as Bobby Stewart often reminds me. Uh, anyway, that it's, it's a long story, uh, but... A rather fun one, if I do say so myself. I was watching a movie last night, came up on Crave. I think that's Canadian, like a Netflix type thing, streaming service. And I watched a movie called News of the World. Pretty good. Usually I'll jump at anything Tom Hanks. See, people are down on Forrest Gump now years later. Come on, man. If you're old enough to have seen that in the theater, that was a breath of fresh air. As I'm not sure it ages as well as it first premiered but tom hanks right down to big splash i watched all his movies for some reason i didn't jump at this one very rare that an actor i'll watch a movie just for the actor and it's even de niro i don't really do that he's had some stinkers um now is he great of course but i'm just saying tom hanks for me even movies like apollo 13 was it it would have been boring gary sinise in there i think i think it was uh, tom hanks anyway just one of those actors so anyway i'm watching it and something came up that is often the theme in western movies and i've never really brought it up or mentioned it and it was kind of subconscious but i'll tell you what i don't understand and this is from in most westerns whether it's the good the bad and the ugly unforgiven uh, News of the World, which was 2020, you know, basically the full spectrum from 1950 till now. And whether it's a chase or people are searching for something in News of the World, he happens to be bringing this little girl on a journey. And there's, without giving the plot away, you know, people on their tail, like people to avoid along the way. And people get on the horse and they'll ride. 
and they're gone for like a day and then you know they're being followed or something and, and someone will go yeah you know you johnny and Lacey are just over yonder they went towards california and then you set out and you just come across them like you know what i mean like people will be in like st louis the gateway to the west or whatever they say you know and they'll be they'll be move movie about gold digging or uh, train track making or whatever it might be but you know the western frontier the the gold rush the people moving out west the, the movement it was a big thing in north american history and but they always seem to go well i'm going to california well you better watch out for joe w- what are you talking about like you could you know what i mean there's so much area give me a two-minute head start and you're never going to find me again <laughs> people going over mountains and like through rivers and, and kayaks and swimming and running and falling and being shot at and campfires and wolves and bears. And, and like, it's just it just go in that direction. Well, you're going to find Joe, you know, how the fuck did they find anybody? Like if, if, if you just put me on one side of the mountains in like Colorado, and give me any kind of head start towards California, not even a specific place, the state. I'm just going out west. I want to see the Pacific Ocean. And people are going, well, you know, don't go that way because Hermit Bob lives on the path. What are you talking about? There was no paved roads or anything. How do you know what the path is? I mean, I know generally you follow one with a wagon or whatever, but, you know, if I'm in Illinois, and I'm going out towards Portland, Oregon, or wherever the hell I'm going. How the hell are you going to find me? I couldn't do that now. With GPS and everything, it'd be confusing. Yet people just get on a horse and, you know, they'll track you down within two days. And I don't care what you tell me. I know there's great trackers out there, but I don't believe it. I just don't believe that you can track me that far and just look down at the ground and, well, look, there's a pretty there's a shoe imprint here and this branch is curved that means he must have gone due north i I don't know how they figure it out i can see tracking like animals because they don't really know what they're doing they're i mean they do instinctively but you know you can track i I guess if you're a tracker a pack of wolves or follow the moose shit or whatever you're going to do right or there's probably ways but if you're a human and you can't avoid somebody with a head start and no roads or anything and you just got a horse and some overnight supplies my god just go to the first mountain you go left i go right there i'm free let alone like a day's head start across like montana like come on anyway i guess it's one of those things you got to buy into um you know like how often in movies is there oh you're dead if only for this one shot then click right there's no bullet in the gun overdone but you don't even say anything anymore it's just like well there was no other route we uh, uh, the movies it's only 45 minutes in the movie's not going to end of course there's no bullet in the gun well it's kind of the same thing it, it comes up so much that it's beyond cliche you just assume that hey you got to travel across four states go from one o- ocean to the other Rivers, mountains, animals, opponents, enemies, 
soldiers yet. I'm going to find Hermit Bob. He's out that direction over yonder. They And they point over yonder, and it's like a mountain range. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's gone over yonder. Like he's gone to the bathroom. You'll find him. Anyway, or her. So some of you have been watching um, my Instagram and everything, and I'm on skating with players in the mornings. And you're saying to me, you know, is this what you do every morning? Okay, I do when I can. So the skate that you're watching um, are the guys. There's still some guys left here to go to the East Coast League. Even the A is starting later this year than normal due to the pandemic. We're starting to be more normalized, but usually the boys will be gone a week or two earlier. So the Growlers are in town again, the Newfoundland Growlers, East Coast League team, champions two years ago. And uh, two of their best... Uh, oh, one second. Uh, sorry about that, very unprofessional, but like I said, I'm on call on a film set, right? That's why a lot of you, I said last time, like, I just can't do your podcasts. I want to, but there you go. That was a set dresser. Are you available tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday? Boom. Right now I'm, I'm going to do it. It's what I do on call. But uh, so any plans now over the next three days? I don't mean that in a bad way. That's why I leave it open. I knew they might need some help. This is crew tomorrow, not acting or anything. This is set dressing. So they just need some, some quick work done. There's three or four things going on in town. Anyway, sorry about that. Rather ignorant, but I need my phone on today for more than one reason. A friend is in some, uh, has a health issue as well. Um, I don't want to divulge, but I'm leaving my phone on. And if that means being ignorant for 20 seconds on here, so be it. You know the reason you want to tune out? Tune out. You don't have to listen to this. <laughs> to be abrupt. Um, anyway, getting back. So that that's what we're doing. We're practicing. So Zach O'Brien, Marcus Power, two of their great players, greatest, I guess, in franchise history, you would think which has only been a year and a half. They won it their first year, and the second year got cut because of the pandemic. And last year didn't play, but uh, they're from Newfoundland, right? The boys are great. Then there's Nathan Noel, great East Coast leaguer. He's trying out. Um, and Zach, Zach and Marcus are on AHL deals. I believe they'll you know, play here if there's an injury or something. Zach already has a Calder Cup. Both Zach and Marcus came second in the Quebec League in scoring. Back-to-back uh, -back years, they grew up together playing. Great guys, good friends. We've we got about five silver medals in the National Ball Hockey. We never won it, but we lost five times in the final. And uh, and I consider that a win. You know, we've had great, great experiences together. But obviously, the boys are 15 years younger than me, so they're still whippersnappers in that category. And all a lot of the junior kids, so I'm out with them, and we do like three-on-three three down low. Um, it just keeps me in shape. They're all preparing to go. Am, am I doing that all year? No, I, I guess I would if it was available, but for our like senior league, you know, we practice on Wednesday nights. We get the ice as a group, probably two or three more nights during the week. And then on the weekend, it's a game or two. That's the way senior hockey works. Again, I'm 44 years old. Who knows? But I'm, I'm skating with them all the time. I enjoy it. I, I might play another year, but I got a lot to do. I got to go to Ontario for two or three months coming up soon for a, to uh, play a role in this TV show that you're going to find out about soon. I can't really divulge much. I'm going to Sudbury, put it that way, if you want to do some homework. Um, 
So I got one of, and it's not, might not be the show you're thinking of, but it could be something similar. Anyway, um, so I'm, I've got, you know, a role. I, I, I did have a speaking role, but in this one, I mean, I'm in multiple episodes. I will, so I'm going to go up there for a few months. So I don't know where senior hockey is going to go. But anyway, so that's the case. And then a lot of you ask me these questions about working out and when I played and what I did and all that stuff. Look, to be totally honest with you, I was always in real good cardio. I, I, I know my body. And you, you know, that for those that train, you know what the VO2 max is, the wind gate, the beep test, you know, the, the Canadian, whatever it is, fitness beep test, you, you, you run try to beat the next beep, beep, you run back, right? The pylons, I think, are like 50 feet or 50 yards, maybe apart. And until you can't make the beep, so I, you're done. But I finished that, right? The end of level 20. It's like a marathon runner. Do I run marathons? No. What's incredible is that if I'm out running, I'll get to the point that like I'm seeing spots. I'm like, I can't possibly go anymore if I'm just running on the side of the street. But if you put a ball there or a puck, then I could keep going. It's wild. I could be in the middle of an excruciating run, want to die. It's over. Terry, you want to play a game of ball hockey? For sure. Play the whole game. And that's how mental it is. So even when I trained, it wasn't like anybody else that I know. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a way, but for the NHL training, I mean, that's what I was doing. People laugh, but like I was coming home playing ball hockey. I was skating sometimes three times a day, I would get my cardio up, but it was always like, or volleyball or basketball. It was a sport. I found it really monotonous to just go to the gym and sit on the bike and look at the wall. Uh, even now, if I go to the gym, it's unproductive. It's good looking women w walking around with next to nothing on, um, you know, guys asking you how much you can bench. I was shit at that. I used to go to camp and like bicep curls, shit like that. I, I'm not going to say I was near the bottom. I was just average. I would do it because they basically made us. They gave us a training, you know, and I'd go through the motions. But, and, and as now my legs always did, but I felt as a player, you know, you know your body. I, even fighting, I could stand there. Like I didn't get thrown down a lot because I'm got decent balance and I wanted to keep that up. And I love, I, I fought for long periods of time and I got most of my points in junior in the third period. It was always important to be in, better cardio than everybody else i used to really take pride in that but if you see me at times in my pro career i mean i'm cut i won't say like a bag of milk but not far off i didn't go out to i wasn't going for a low body fat percentage or any of that when i play ball hockey for example i go down to about 190 185 sometimes uh but you know i played and, and they were i was taking creatine the team it was it was a t era of the power forward you know i was everybody was aware i was trying to be you know, as close to like 220 as I could. I never really got there. If I did, it was, I couldn't put on that much muscle. I got up to around 207, 210, but I felt a little bit overweight, but whatever. I know what works for me. I definitely could have pumped iron more, but that was it for me. It was cardio. And again, if, if I was just to sit on the bike or, or, or run the treadmill, I wouldn't do it, go half as hard. So that's my whole life. I'd, I'd just play hours and hours of, of sports still do. And that keeps me in shape. Now my, the bike different outdoors, mountain bike, always did that a lot. I was always big on mountain biking, but again, that's a bit of variety. You can pick your route. You can stop for a uh, 
drink, I mean, of water or something if I'm out to work out. Not that I haven't stopped for a beer, but, you know, it's just, there's more variety to it. Just going to the gym and I just end up flirting with women and it's, it's just not looking forward to the shower. It's two or three hours of nothing, really. I haven't gotten myself further ahead. I guess I'm not eating a Big Mac there, but as a rule, that's ideal for me. Get up in the morning, have an hour or two session, whether that's practicing three on three with you know, guys who are playing pro now or a scrimmage. Um, we got a great deal at Twin Rinks here. You just be in the morning and there, there's two twin rinks, obviously two uh, ice services. And they usually rent one out, but on the other one, you can just pay 10 bucks, drop in, right? Drop in hockey, just go in and if there's, only a few people you can do drills goalie or two shows up you have some sort of a game i do that a lot so i'm i'm either skating or running literally nine days a week right i'm i'm, I'm doing both both skating and running add up to more than seven times a week and then i i bike so there that's my there's no real format to it the format is whoever got the ice this week when are we skating Right. And the skates we have are even the retired guys as we go. Lots of great retired players here um, that stuck around or Newfoundlanders that came back and are working. So anyway, that's it. It's a high level skate. And that's how I like to stay fit is playing sports. Some people. What motivates them is running. I just wasn't one of those guys. I need something. I can do it with a podcast in my ears, I suppose, but it's still monotonous to me. And for some reason, the point of exhaustion happens a lot earlier than it does when there's a goal, a competition. So I, I guess that's mental. And I guess that's being a competitor. But that's the way I'm wired. And that's what I do. To answer many of your questions, uh, for those that didn't want to hear that, sorry to waste your time. Our guest this week, Jeff Circa. I know I said Koliakovo, we got him next week, and then we got Craig Reve the week after that. Um, it's just the way it worked out. The boys are working on your jobs, broadcasting, got to respect their schedules. Jeff Circa, old friend. This guy's the definition of old school, and I mean it. That's, that term is overused. He's the definition. Old IHL, AHL. Kingston front neck Sudbury wolf kind of guy and uh, loves Frank Sinatra and John Wayne told you he's old school okay Jeff Circa coming right up folks week two of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL to kick off another action-packed week DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game, listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. W-I-T-H dash I-T. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest played more than 700 professional hockey games and even warmed up once in the glorious National Hockey League. A Sudbury native, he played most of his career in the IHL when it was considered by many to be the second best league on the planet. A no-nonsense stay-at-home defenseman who I still say gives one of the nicest, quick, crisp breakout passes of anybody I've ever played with or against. He now resides in Denver, Colorado, and works as a police officer ever since his playing days came to a halt. He is a pretty good player, proud penalty killer, a Colorado kid, a dirty D-man, a fine father, a fabulous friend. He played with Karpov and would chop your ankle off. He wore number two and used the corkscrew. He used the CCM lid and is a Sudbury kid. On the road, he and I drank lots of, on the road, he and I drank lots of red eyes. He warmed up to a claim in an NHL game. Watch out, son. He now carries a gun. Haven't heard enough. This dude played tough. I've been to a place in Sweden called Burka. Listen up, folks. Please welcome my buddy, Jeff Circa. Jeff, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing awesome. A beautiful, uh, I guess, the first day of fall here. Uh, in Denver, I think it's about 72. I might have to check my Google, but it's a beautiful, nice, cool day. I think we're going to head up to the 80s this week. And uh, I'm enjoying time here and hopefully retirement soon. Jeff and I played on the Colorado Gold Kings together way back at the turn of the millennium. Um, and you know what I loved about it? When I went there, Cirque, I'd never been to Colorado. I'd never really come across it. So um, for whatever reason in the NHL, I know even though I sat out, we played there, but I think I was getting my, I had a concussion or something like that. But anyway, I'd never been there. So I'm in Colorado Springs, looked great. I, I really was excited to go, but I was surprised at the weather. I, I, because so many stereotypes of the mountains and John Denver and all that shit, I couldn't believe how warm it actually was. Uh, you know, it's not Florida, but like you said, 80 degrees this time of year is just perfect. Uh, do you go out to the mountains much or do you stay? I believe you're in Denver proper, right? Yeah, just in the north suburb of, of uh, Denver, it's uh, West or Arvada. I work in Westminster. I get it mistaken, but no, I don't get up to the mountains too much. I like to stay on the front range play a little golf. This is a perfect time of year for it uh, before the leaves fall down and I can't find my ball in the rough. Uh, I, it's, it's just a great place to live. And uh, I, I love it. I remember when we played together, you played, you know what I didn't realize till I looked at your hockey BDB. I didn't realize you went back and played in Cincinnati for a year. I, I, I just forgot in the coast, but you were near on, but I remember when we were in the room, you sat next to me. I had you on one side and Travis Thiessen uh, on the other. And you told me you were getting into policing. Now we're 20 years into it. What do you, I, I don't think you regret anything. Has it brought anything you didn't expect? Are you happy with the career choice that you, you chose? Oh, geez. Terry, I mean, we're talking as buddies. It, uh, 
I guess I'm an I'm a adrenaline junkie bone. I, you know, from hockey, it just, you know, you love it and you love that little bit of anxiety before you get on the game. And then once you get in the game, the anxiety kind of dissipates and it's all gone. Yeah. You know, I feel that same way at work and uh, <laughs> I work with a bunch of good buddies and we have that camaraderie in the locker room when we're all getting dressed and everybody's making fun of each other. And, and, and finally we get all dressed, we go to roll call and then we're all still making fun of each other. Then we hit the street and then, you know, there's that anticipation of, you know, a hot, hot call coming across the radio or, um, I, I, there's a couple of times I just walked to my patrol car with my bag and my uh, AR-15 and walked to the car and I'm just like, you know what? I think I found my calling. Yeah, man. Because uh, uh, having a grade 12 education, right? Turn pro, boom, right out of uh, high school, right into the American League. You know, the only thing I did was uh, read the sports page for what 12 years on on the toilet that was my extent of my education isn't it isn't it crazy that that was literally something i look forward to every day going in the room getting in your fucking underwear whatever you wore grabbing a yeah. coffee and a fucking paper and going in and sitting on the shitter for a half hour that was like oh. a that was part of the day that was like a good part of the day. <laughs> that, that was my best part. I mean, some of the guys would throw a chew in. I never chewed, but I'd always love my cup in the morning and you'll know, get in your hockey, comfy hockey underwear, grab the sports page and, and go take a dump. So that was, uh, that was my extent of my uh, high school education. And all of a sudden I, you know, I come into uh, law enforcement and, now you got to study and pass tests and psychology. I don't know how I pass the psychology. They already know I'm nuts. And uh, all this testing and, you know, finally got through it. And it's been a great career, very challenging. Everything changes every day. That's what I like about it. And it's, it's, I think it's been my calling. Yeah, I could see, Cirque, how a lot of overlap with the hockey world, you know, because you're, you're, you're the te- it's the team atmosphere. People even ask me now, turn this into a council pitch. I'm running for council, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, it's not a pitch. I, I, I work good in a team environment, work well in it. So for you to go to that ultimate, and like you said, the adrenaline. I, it's funny, I had Andrew Peters on last week fought in the nhl for a while and there is we, we talked about oh, it tough, like the, tough son of a gun tough fucking bastard right and he was talking about oh, the anxiety fuck. before games and it is funny because you know no one really wants anxiety but but there's it's almost a nervous energy i mean i've, I've had anxiety that goes with say a depression type of thing or if someone dies or that that's anxiety yeah, i think we've all had we all have it yeah right I mean, yeah. It's, it's it's in i think it's in everybody things are going bad and you're, you're stressed or it's money worry or, or family worry or whatever but that anxiety before games, like I remember like not looking forward to it, but once it's gone, you're addicted to it. I mean, that's why I think oh. I like, like stunts and things like I, I didn't love doing stand up comedy. Um, but I, I and, and even public speaking, I'm still you know, I've done 100 now at this point, but I, I, I'm, I'm still like working out. the And I don't think the, the, the anxiety ever leaves. But if you don't have it whether it's hockey or whether it's public speaking. Yeah, if, I, I don't think if you don't have it, then then yeah. you should get out of the game. Exactly. 
right? Exactly. I can, I remember on like, man, I could count on one hand the times that I wasn't nervous before. Say it was the end of the year. Both teams are out of the playoffs. No tough guys in the lineup. You already got your stats, right? There, there are times yeah. where you're like, I'm just not, you know, the 40 fans, right? I'm not, I'm not really well, into it, but, and it, you know, I'm out there going let, like let, in my head, holy shit. Like, you know, I, I wish I had some more nerves for this game and it follows you. And when you're with a team, like you are with the, with the police um, and the specifically the, the group that you're in, you know, you're, it, it's, it's, it's good to harness that energy because you're all in it together. So to me, it's, it's positive nervous energy versus, the bad yeah, you have time. to have it. If you're if you're sitting there and you're you're a dull dumb fuck, then uh, it, it, you just you might as well just whatever you're in, just retire, get out of it. It's not in you. And yeah, man. And- I, I had it. I had it from every day at my first training camp when I was with Vancouver to signing with Chicago to playing for the Gold Kings. It didn't matter what level of hockey I was at. I had that nervous anxiety. But once that puck drops and you're out there and you get that first hit or whatever, it, it goes away. It's amazing. And it's so great. Like, and then you're dialed in. Then you're dialed yeah. in because all that nervous energy that you have that is still there turns into adrenaline for the game. Your hits are harder. Your cross checks are, are more fierce. Your shots yeah. harder. Uh, your bear down in front. It's wild. I've often, I think there's so many little facets of the brain that sports psychologists are just finding the key to open. And I, I, I think we're, we're not even close to, to the possibilities that, that we can go when it comes to sports psychology. Cause I remember that too, thinking like, remember being like three shifts in going, man, I'm flying. And, and the, before the game, I couldn't have been any more nervous, but it's because, and then afterwards, how great does the shower and a beer feel after? You know? oh, I'll tell you when I was in Portland, Maine, when uh, Barry Trotz and Paul Gardner were their coaches, all of Coles and uh, Byron Defoe are goalies. How you like those two backstoppers? Wow. Uh, yeah. Kevin Kaminsky, Kerry Clark. Uh, you just go on and on. But that was the best part. That was when, when it was old school. You, you just uh, walked in after a big freaking win and uh, two freaking cases of beer on ice sit there unloosen your skates take your shoulder pads elbow pads off have the young little uh, trainer there go get me a beer there bud and then just sit there and just enjoy that first freaking cold beer it was unbelievable just a great feeling and it's you know and that's why that each little day is a microcosm right because it's a lot of ups and downs there's peaks and valleys before the game you're that nervous energy which turns into a, a, a playoff kind of uh intensity and adrenaline during the game and then afterwards the come down is is such a relief but a hockey career is like that right because you don't know when you can be traded you don't know when you're gonna well, you you get called up and you're and, and I mean, tell us that story. You must have. And, and even though I mean, the story of warm up, <laughs> even though you didn't get in the game, it's still a high. And I find it humorous. What happened? I, I, I love this. You're playing in Chicago, right? In the system. You're in the minors in Indianapolis. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, 100 percent. Yeah, signed a three year deal right out of camp, went there on a tryout. Yeah, I would see. Uh, you get called up. Maybe. So at what point you get called up to the NHL? You must have been a. 
Well, that must have been a huge well, no, thing in I, itself. I'll correct you one bit. So uh, I never, I didn't get called up. I was uh, training camp, signed to try out, try out. Long story short, everybody gets cut, cut, cut. You know, you're changing rooms, changing rooms, changing rooms, cut, cut, cut. Everybody's sent down to uh, Indy, and I must have changed rooms five times. Yeah. And so at the end of it, it was just me and Jimmy Way as roommates. So me and, and uh, it was a home opener. And, uh, geez, I called dad. It's dad and Sudbury. It said, dad, fuck. I think I'm going to fucking play. <laughs> I wish I can get, I think I can get, I hope I can get you here tonight, but I don't think I, I don't have the money to do so. <laughs> so, uh, we have the, uh, morning skate and then, uh, I got sent down and Terry, you're right. And then I got called back up in the mid year against Philly. And I was in warm up. I'm like, holy shit, who am I going to fight? Yeah. You got Shell Samuelson, 6'8. You got Dave Brown, I think. I don't know these guys. And I'm like, holy Lindros. cow. Lindros, I think. Even the, one of the lighter ones, it was Marty. Marty Dahlman, I think, was one Dan of the Cordic. I'm like, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God. At that point in time, I was lean, mean fight machine. I was only like 193 pounds, 7% body fat. I'm like, whew, oh, God. So, uh, but then I got scratched because Chelly, uh, Chelly at that time, that's why they called me up, uh, had a uh, bad back or shoulder or what have you. And uh, he was day to day. But Chelly is like, okay. And so they scratch me. So you know what it's and, like to skate around in warm up and feel. Oh, like yeah. That old Chicago stadium. Are you kidding me? This is great. <laughs> oh, that old barn is unbelievable. And then I ran into Chelly a couple years later out in Vegas at a, a function. And I said, Jesus Christ, Chelly, could you not pull the shoot just, just one time? Yeah, I would have got one. I would have got one game and got all that concussion money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it's wild. I I have a similar experience, but like when I was nineteen and I was there, I only dressed for three games. But but the point because they, they didn't want to send me down to the minors, so I, I got to be in Montreal most of the year. I went back to junior in February, the tail end. But I only played the three. But like the option was there every game if I wanted to warm up. So other than I took, a, I, I did, I was going through post-concussion syndrome for a bit. So I took a few yeah. weeks off, but I warmed up every time I had a chance. I was like, what? so like in my are mind, you, I went, are you I, kidding me? Oh no. From, I warmed up from playing ball hockey in the street and, and uh, dreaming about the Stanley cup or playing for the Montreal, Montreal Canadians, the least. Are you kidding me? I would warm up 80 times. A I know year, it was, it was great. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I got to say, it was great, great, great looking back. Um, and listen, listen. So I jumped in there with that because I always love the fact that one of my buddies got called up. He, he warmed up. You got to experience the NHL without actually playing a game. I, I think that's incredible. But, you know, because of that story and that your place in NHL history, 
you did sign an NHL contract and you had a great career. Now, I the did. IHL, That's first, all I can say, I said coming in, the IHL was the second best league on the planet, considered by many. But a lot of people don't realize that now because the IHL went double A. It went like the root of the East Coast League and like the Central League. But for the 90s and pre-90s, but for our, you're a few years older than me, but, you know, coming in, I played in the I as well when it was an affiliated, like it was considered the same level as the AHL. And in the I, correct me if I'm wrong, guys were a little bit older because there was more free agents. There was more people that had already been to the NHL. So you might play yeah. against, I remember playing against Cleveland. They had 11 players that had already played in the NHL. Um, whereas, mm-hmm. whereas in St. John's, we might have 11 players that were going to play in the NHL, uh, but hadn't yet. So right. that's the way, but I mean, what was your experience? How did you go? Uh, um, did you play there for seven years out of choice or was it teams that you were affiliated with, or did you prefer the IHL? You know, of course, let's talk about camaraderie. American Hockey League, you're on the bus. Yeah, huge. That's- IHL, we flew everywhere. Everybody says you flew everywhere. You know, you're sitting in the airport, you're going through customs, you're going through security, blah, blah, blah. Get on the plane. You know what? I love the American League. I'd much rather be on the bus in my underwear, playing cards with the boys, drinking beer, and it's the same amount of time, you know? And uh, But the IHL was great. I had a great experience. That's uh, that's how I got there from Portland to Denver is we got into that veteran rule in uh, Portland, and Barry Trotz had no choice. He's like, Jeff, we're at the veteran where we can only have, what was it at that time? Do you remember, Terry? What, five? I think it was five. five. You could have a sixth could have played more than 700 games. They were considered exempt. Yeah. And then you could right. have five so, that played more than 200 or 40, I think, 240. Me and uh, Jimmy Matheson fell on the cusp, and and Jimmy was a, a Washington product, so I kind of was kind of the black sheep. So I was kind of out of the picture, which is fine. It worked out. That great. was the eye so, back then, then I... though. A lot of players did that. A lot of players, the, the, the AHL would be overloaded and they would send yeah. guys out there because it was considered the same. Not, you know, I don't know if there is a comparable league anymore in North America to the AHL. I think it's just the AHL, right? Yeah. At the time. Then, uh, at the time, yeah. And now. Uh... Uh, sure. Whatever floats. Technical difficulties. Okay, I'm not even sure where we were. We were talking about the IHL. Uh, Junior, let's just go back there, visit this for one second. Four years in Kingston. Did they draft you? Was the draft on the go? You're from Sudbury. So were you like a minor hockey star, or did you work your way onto these teams, grit, meat, potatoes, and then became a solid D in Major Junior? And why Kingston? Okay, hopefully you got me good now. I took the Bluetooth off. I do have you perfect right now. Perfect. Yeah, no. Jesus. Uh, did I work my way up? I was a 17th round draft choice. 268th overall. I'll always remember that. Wow. And where did you uh, play then? Where did you play the year before you got drafted? Were you in like midget in Sudbury? Yeah, Sudbury AAA. I think we were uh, uh, Burgess Powertrain. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we played... Uh, 
we were really good. We were so good uh, at AAA midgets that we had to play in the uh, juvenile league. Yeah, but I mean, you're still you in like juvenile. Sudbury. You're getting off the beaten path. Good in a good. There's Ontario, and then there's Ontario. Were you guys good if you went in and played like the Toronto Red Wings, or are you good for like Northern Ontario? Yeah, we were good. Uh, Toronto Red Wings. We were we were that caliber. Oh, that's great. So, um, well, you do. I mean, there are a lot of players from Sudbury. I, I mean, I, I didn't mean to ask that with a wink or anything. I I was legitimately interested because the population is really it. Uh, were you Cirque? Were you like a scorer, or the same kind of player? Same. Yeah, I was the same. Grab the puck, move it, hit, and block you, shots. I was the same. Same all shots, the way up. By the, the way. Go ahead. Sir, blocking shots back then when the shin pads were just like one layer of plastic and the skates weren't built for it. I try to tell people, I'm like, now you get these skates, you put them on. I mean, yeah, you can you you put just about anything other than a bullet at them and you're not going to feel it. But back then you were blocking leather well, on ankle. <laughs> right. And I did it all the way right to the gold kings, right? When we were the gold queens and we used to call ourselves, remember, uh, you know, and and talk a little bit about hockey. You see these guys blocking shots today and they're, they're dropping one knee down and they're, they're putting their bodies in front of the, uh, the, the shot. I'm like, no wonder you're getting hurt. I know there there's an art to blocking the shot and uh, I won't get into it, but, um, well, there had to be more of an art back then people that did it. You were like a minor league version of Craig Ludwig. You did a lot of it. You were especially on the peak, uh, PK, but you were good oh, at it. Now you can cheat a little bit because of the gear. You can even get those straps to put on outside of your cement fucking enforced skates or whatever it is. I mean, they hurt when you put them on. They're so tough. But, you know, you, you put shot blockers on and you got shin pads going all the way around. And there's specialty players that are only out there to do that. I'm not knocking it. It's the evolution of hockey. But I didn't like blocking shot. Like I blocked a shot if it was an important game. All right, my coach actually used right. to stay in yeah. junior. You and Lankow, like, fuck off here. It's seven to one. What are you doing blocking the shot? Yeah, Wait. no, no, no. You don't want to lose. That's why they're, that's why they're in the uh, conversation of why why you putting, like, Stamkos or some or, or yeah. Crosby out killing Pelling. I mean, just, you know, that's that's for the, the second wave guys or the slugs. Go Let them do it. And if work, you can't teach someone – yeah, the only reason to have those guys out there, I think, is if you're really looking for a shorthanded goal. If you can't find somebody that's a good penalty killer today's, just go out, give me a third line, and then kill every penalty. Stand there, block the shots, and they exist. But I do think there's no reason, you know, there's just no reason in my mind to have Matthews or Crosby or even McDavid or, you know, they they will get the odd shorthanded goal, I suppose, if you need a goal late. But I wouldn't have them as my regular penalty killers, man. With like Shea Weber and these guys teeing off, I don't, I don't know how they do it. I, I honestly don't. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one of the, it's one of the best revolutionary coaches that, uh, that pissed me off, that I played for was John Van Boxmeer. Did you get that? I got that, and I played for him one game out in Long Beach, but I, I played against him. So what, what was your experience yeah. with Boxy? I don't well, know when you talk blocking shots, he, he, he would bring a, a bag of tennis balls and we would practice blocking shots. I mean, I've never even seen, and that was back in the nineties yeah. and 
was showing how we should block shots and what position. And I'll tell you, man, it, it, I learned so much from that guy, but man, he was a tough son of a bitch. And at this, at, I hated playing for him at the time, but I learned so much from him. But there was a lot of coaches are, are cyclical too. You know, for everybody, I mean, I had Tyrion and, and, you know, I, I told you my experience, but it wasn't all, he's not really the reason that I asked for a trade out of Montreal, but it probably is. But people think I didn't get up because of him. I, I don't know if that was necessarily it. I just didn't like him. He was an asshole. But at the time, people go, well, how was he there? I'm like, at the time, it was like Mike Keenan, Bob Hartley, Keenan, you know, Boxy. A lot of those guys were like that. They were old school. You, you'd skate the boards. You'd. You, that was it. And they, you know, you'd, you'd remember that <laughs> they'd let you drink too, but it was like survival of the fittest. Now there's like a curfew. Yeah. You shouldn't be out drinking, but remember, remember what they would do. And in the, you, you got a great story about this, but they would come on and say like, okay, anybody had a beer last night down and back. You had three beers last oh, night down. Oh and back. God, yeah. what? I remember you were, you were going right to the end. Sorry about that. What? <laughs> yeah. It was in Long Beach with, with Boxy, down oh. and back. So anybody had one, anybody had two, anybody <laughs> had three, anybody had more than 10, 15. And there was, uh, it was myself, Adrian Plasvik, and Barry Nykar. <laughs> and Boxy would just sit and he was smiling and laughing. And I tell you, I will tell you to this day, at the last lap, I puked. <laughs> but you know, all the guys were cheering and we were laughing. I mean, we were going very fast, but we did make it down and back and we yeah. did go down. And back. But that was it. And you expected that, like you expected to be, cause I, I will, you know, removing what I just said about Terry and I had my problems, but there was things that I liked about him. And like a lot of things that people say was, were crazy when he used to skate us and stuff and put like a, 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 a bucket in center ice. And I'm like, that wasn't that weird. Like people did that. Like, Coaches were definitely more about structure and treating it like a soldier. Treating it, and that, that was the era. That's the way it was. And they also, they, there was really a lot of freedom. And if you can't go out with the boys and have a drink and be at practice, you're cut. But if you can, you're my kind of player, right? I mean, it was very Don Cherry kind of thing, right? But, but Burrs, that was part and, of the culture. And Terry, we could have, frankly, uh, we could have lied and said, oh, no, we only had six. I love But that. no. We kept going and going after more than 10. Bound it back. But that. And, you know, more but, than 15. Oh, geez. We all three of us looked at each other, looked to the left, looked to the right. All right. Let's go again. <laughs> Cirque, I love it. Remember when we played in Colorado Springs and we go often for a day boil at a place called Old Chicago, right? You remember that? Um, yes, I, I assume. Of course. Yeah. So, and at Old Chicago was great because they had so many beers on tap. And remember, if it was like, I forget, but it was like 110 beers was a tour, a quote unquote tour around the world, right? Yes, yes, you get your own glass or mug get, or whatever. You get your own mug. So, like, you'd go in and you'd have a card and you'd go, okay, I'll have a Heineken. I'll have a Bud Light or, say, Molson Canadian. Uh, I'll have a Stella. Or whatever. Yeah, and it would get punched off of a card. And when you did the tour, it was called a tour. So, anyway, yep. this guy and we and on the wall 
were people that did like 10 tours or more. And you remember we would <laughs> sit there and there was one name and it was J.D. Dick. Can you remember? And he and he'd had like <laughs> he'd had like 300 world tours. Can you remember that shit? <laughs> so I, I now you're jarring my memory. I do remember. Yes, but and we were and I, I would be like, who the fuck is this JD Dick guy? Like, where is he and how, how is he? And at the time, there was only seven or eight. There, there was only seven or eight old Chicago's in the states. Now it took off. It's everywhere. I was down there in the in the years since. Like they're in Arkansas. They're all over. But at the time, they there was only good, like seven. They make and, a good pie. Yeah, and. Two of them yeah. happened to be in our league in Colorado Springs. Now there's four just in Colorado Springs. I looked there. It, there was in Colorado Springs and one was in Boise, Idaho. And I happened to go the next year to Boise, Idaho to play. So I was telling all the boys, I'm like, you know, me and circuit go and do these. And like, there's people doing it. Whatever you'd go to an old Chicago, there were people in there doing the beer tour. So it was like a club within a club kind of thing. And we were there so often. Right. So I never told you this, but I'm in there one day having a beer and I swear to fuck, I'm sitting down. Jeremy Oblonsky's with me, Chris Graff, and a guy walks through the door and it's J.D. Dick. It's J.D. Dick. <laughs> no, he's it. not. He did. He walked in. It was like Jesus walking, uh, arising out of the uh, grave. <laughs> it was crazy. He walked in and people, it, honestly, it was honestly it wasn't so much like Jesus. It was like a scene out of Unforgiven, though, because it was nighttime. It was raining. The door opened and people that were in the know looked over and he's like, he's here. And he walks into the spotlight, long hair, like cowboyish hat on a bigger kind of guy. And they're like, that's him. And I'm like, no way. J.D. Dick. This is it. now he'd done like 300 tours, quote unquote. And there was only, like I said, seven or eight old Chicago's. So at some point I had to run into him, I guess. But anyway, and you can look <laughs> that up. Look it up. I guarantee you. I haven't looked it up in years. I just thought about that. But I remember going online and seeing his name. And I was like, I, I knew it. That was it. J.D. Dick. But remember that, sir? We would go in in Colorado. I, I must say I was happy with the decision because I'd come from Montreal. There was all that pressure. I was holding out. I was waiting for an opportunity. It was probably a lesser league than I should have been in at the time, not being cocky, but, you know, whatever. But I loved. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it was just I was in it was a weird place for me, but I loved the area. We had a great group and lots of guys I still talk to, including yourself. And I loved flying everywhere and being able to like we had real freedom. Like, you know, we also had Gunnar Tomlinson as a coach. He didn't give a fuck. But, like, you know, you'd land in San Diego. And we go do our thing. And we had often go in on Thursday. We didn't play till Friday or Saturday. So I loved that about the West Coast League. We had a lot of fun during the day. We had a lot of close I, guys. Do, do you ever go back there? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Uh, I have a couple close friends there. My daughter was born there, but I haven't been back. And when you're talking about uh, hockey and NHL, IHL, AHL, I had one of my, like you, I'm going to emulate what you just said, one of my funnest years playing down there with those guys and uh, our trips to Alaska. How classic was that? The whole year, the whole year was classic in every way. <laughs> like, first of all, the clip, the, the, the trip up to Alaska, the first <laughs> one, 
I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been there. BJ had told me about it. BJ Young, God rest his soul. I knew some players who had played college up there, but I'd never been there. But what you you feel like you're on a different planet. It's beautiful, but it feels like it's a different planet. You're like, I got to play hockey tonight. Uh, I mean, what what did you think of it? Well, remember our hotel that we stayed in with the big boost. <laughs> You mean you mean the hotel with the big moose, right? Oh, that big whole ten pointer or whatever they they judge them—the big moose in the hotel, right in the lobby. And, um, Got guys, guys getting paid like in in beer, and I mean I know they had a salary cap. Guys were getting checks, but there were some people up there with shady stories. They're like, "Well, I also get paid from the yeah, tire company and, uh, down the road." <laughs> I remember, you know, stumbling down the hallway going to my room and then there's all these there were a couple of doors open yeah i'm like oh you could hear people partying and stuff and they're a bunch of asian stewardesses and i forgot that we're only what how hundreds of miles from russia so they were they were with the russian airlines and they would you know obviously have to stay over and sleep and oh. so i go in there and grab a pop and party with the Asian stewardesses and all the pilots and everything. And it was a hoot. It was a hoot. I remember um, going, what was the bar? I think it was called chill coots or kill hoots or something. Remember there was like, you were going in, there was peanut shells all over the floor. It was, it was a different kind of bar. I kind of, yeah, I liked it to be honest. And it, it, there seemed to be no rules. Like it, even though it said it closed down at two, it was still like, you'd be walking out of there at like four ten a.m. And anyway, we all went oh, yeah. one night, and they let me just buy a couple dozen beer from the hotel. And the other thing, you're in Alaska, so once you're done, <laughs> you, you weren't playing the next day anywhere remotely close. You didn't. You normally have a game for another. Oh few. no, Shit. we so, had, we probably had four days off after that. Yeah, always. Game, so know? it was the biggest green light was the last night. I mean, there's green lights pretty much the whole year. The West Coast League is a green light, but there's green lights, and then there's just huge beach ball size neon green lights, and that's the last day in that like, So anyway. I remember what you're talking about. Like John, <laughs> like Johnny Cotta from my first year pro in Maine. Johnny Cotta from Massachusetts. Johnny Cotta said, the light never been fucking greener, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> everybody knew it. So you could just get as the, the only the only rule was and people used to honestly say it, guys, let's just make sure we're all on the plane. Like, that's it. All you well, have to do. There's a. <laughs> There's another story. I missed the plane. Did you miss one? Okay. Uh, the, the, the story that we're talking about, I missed two that year. The one when you said the stewardesses, so <laughs> three of them, what I did, I went back and I took all this booze back, but I said, why am I bringing it to their room? I know the two rooms you're talking about and they were conjoining. I was like, why am I bringing it to their room? So I brought it over to my room and then just, you know, there's nuances throughout the night. Anyway, I ended up, so two, two were in one bed. One was the other. <laughs> I, I I was on the floor, but we had a lot of fun. And there was, I won't sell him out, although he probably wouldn't care, but my roommate, I'm not going to say who it was, but it was an absolutely fantastic time. And uh, the other, so anyway, <laughs> I, I missed that plane I did. And there was another one later in the year, but yeah. tell me about your experience missing the plane. Well, I just, I don't have too much recollection, but I know I missed the plane and I think I text or call Gunner. I'm like, ah, didn't make it. And, and uh, 
you know, of course, we arranged for the second flight out, and then I had to uh, text my wife at the time or call her and say, hey, I missed the flight, and I'll be in at this time. <laughs> but, yeah, what? there's not there's no worse feeling when you wake up and, and you get the, oh, shit, you know? And you miss the bus to miss the flight. Any other league, you would be uh, disciplined or suspended. And, oh, yeah. But uh, they not, in the old, not in the old West Coast League, buddy. Not in the West Coast Hockey League. Uh, and <laughs> it, was, it was also our owners, our owners were like, remember they, because we didn't have a lot of fans. That was the only thing about it. There, there wasn't, like, there's not this long-lost fan base in Colorado Springs, like, you know, we were there. We enjoyed it. I'm sure some of the fans it, 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 it enjoyed watching us play, but Colorado College was their team that year. And I think now they're in Fort Collins. There's there's play Colorado hockey's really popular. It's just the Gold Kings just gotten there. There was no real hype around the team. It was a weird rink to play pro in. You could hear you could hear the, you know, the puck hit the boards from, you know, the acoustics were really odd. There was echoes. You could almost yodel in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but well, so like that, I said, I want to, like I said, I want to revert back. That was one of my funnest freaking years of my life. And, and when you talk about that, uh, who, who could ne- negotiate? Cause, uh, our owners were what they were, they're house builders. I don't remember the company. Do you remember? I remember the beginning of the year. No, I don't, but they came in and the beginning of the year speech was most, one of the most, it was like really close to Danbury thrashers without the criminal element. They, he came in. I don't know what the guy's name was. I can't remember. Jeff something. He was a balding guy, and he thought it was this huge. Yeah. And I remember, it was it was in Alaska first. The team had been in Alaska, and right, right. Remember that? And they brought right. him in. And anyway, his ideas were just so, silly. And after the meeting, I was like, I was questioning his sanity. As long as I got paid, though, Gunner made sure we got paid. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So. Uh... I had just uh, finished up in Hershey and I was like trying to figure out my life, like I said, with a grade 12 education and uh, Gunner, I get a call from uh, the GM. I forget his name. And yes. hey, I, you know, I'm just wondering you're, you know, what you're doing. I heard your name. You're, you live in Colorado and you're up there and uh, we'll just, we'd like you to come play. I'm like, okay, we figured out. I talked to my wife and, Okay, you know, it's close to what hour and a half from Denver. I think we can make this work. So I get down there and who the fuck I buy the home. I get a home. I'm like, okay, we're gonna need a home. I buy the home. And who the fuck negotiates free hardwood floors throughout the house? Oh no. No way. <laughs> uh, that's what I negotiated. That was probably like six, seven grand. But it, it made sense, Cirque. No, that's great. And it made sense. Same thing. A lot of people don't realize if you went there through the jigs and the reels, like a lot of teams would put money down or most of it for you on a house. So when they're paying for your, which I can't say about the American League, American League, I was, I was, uh, you were on your own. You can pick wherever you're paying your own rent. We're not set up. We, if you want to live around somebody, you can. But when I went down there, it was like, um, that was one of the things I, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, whatever, quote unquote, bonus. It only had to be three or four grand. You're putting down towards a house and then you're going to pay my rent, which is basically paying for my house. You're paying my mortgage. Right. So a lot of guys went oh, that route in that league. Terry, Go ahead. Terry, I made I made bank there. 
Yeah, me too. I right? would get a nice little cash. I'd get a little cash under the table. Yep. And then my 800 towards my mortgage, I don't think at that point in time, it's probably a thousand bucks. And then free hardwood floors. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Paid for our this gas. Is great. And uh, yeah. So for me, yep. I actually made out. Through the jigs and the reels, arguably better than I did the in the American League with with so many perks. And I gotta say, I enjoyed after three years of busing everywhere, and then four years before that in the West Well Six in the Western Canada, but junior buses. I I like flying. I liked flying. I did think though, there was a there was a level of Wild West to it. Can you remember when uh, Jerry Frederick and for, forgot our jerseys in San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think no, <laughs> no, he didn't. You know, remember, remember, he well, first of all, so Jerry Fredrickson and wherever he is out there, Jerry, shout out. None of this is said in haste. I, I yeah. love Jerry, but Jerry was my um, equipment manager and junior in Tri Cities. And there's so many junior teams and pro teams, and he's an American. He, he kind of fell into it. He didn't like grow up in Canada, like wanting to be a major junior guy. He's from Kalamazoo somewhere, and he, and he just kind of fell into the role. So I couldn't believe I came across him after <laughs> Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. But, you know, he was looking for jobs locally. Like, he didn't necessarily have to stay with hockey. So to run into a game in Colorado was a, was a breath of fresh air. But what's the word? He was a little bit aloof at times. Not stupid, okay. but when it right. came to being equipment manager, you know, he, he didn't get all the nuances of a dressing room because he didn't grow up around it. You know, so you remember he came out, he called a meeting. He said, right. we have a situation. Yeah. So, who did we have? Heavy, 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 too. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he came okay. out and we're like, what's the situation? And he said, well, we don't want to be ignorant to each other. Someone had, had gone and taken a shit, basically, and not flushed the toilet. So he called a meeting and then all year, all year. That's all that happened. Like people just would go in and do that. And then we'd break into his room. <laughs> road. Remember, go down and break into his room and guys would leave a dump in no. and fuck up his room. No. Like, oh, yeah. Take his beds. And just, he never figured out. Take his TV, turn it upside down. Mattresses up against the wall. Just always. And he would uh, and he would call I me. forget about that. Yeah. Guys, guys, we have another situation. Last night, last <laughs> night, my room was turned upside down. I'm sure the culprit's here. Leo, you're the captain. Figure it out. And then two weeks later, guys, we have another situation. My bag, my bag has been taken. And there's graffiti on the side. Guys, we have another situation. My house was toilet papered last night. There was always a situation. I was like, Jerry, stop addressing the situation. And I guarantee you, there won't be another situation. Largely because I was doing Largely because I'm doing it, you idiot. This uh, is why I'm telling you the West Coast Hockey League was my favorite time of hockey. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. He, he forgot the jerseys one time and he tried to blame it on the flight attendants. He blamed everybody. <laughs> and, and finally, Gunner was like, okay, we play in three hours. Where's the jerseys? We've been here for two days golfing. Why didn't you know this? And so anyway, we had to use San Diego's practice jerseys against the San Diego Bulls. I'll never forget it. Did, did we? I don't even remember that. Yes, yes, man. They were just like white with CCM on them. And we put something on the crest. <laughs> we were 
We were using fucking San Diego practice jerseys. Oh, God. I just I just loved it. <laughs> and there was a lot of pro about it because you're like, you come out of the rink and you're like, Jesus, I'm in San Diego. I'm being paid to do this. This is wild. But then you'd go to the hotel and there was like no TVs or something. Go to be like, I promise you guys next time. And you get geckos running around the room and shit. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> and you go into Anchorage and yeah, like half the team would have different color helmets on and you'd be like what what's going on did you the refs or what about uh, jerseys go ahead what about the uh wings contest between paul Edmonds and uh heavy sevy <laughs> oh god um yeah, you I, remember i know i, I remember this happening and- but you told me the story what happened <laughs> yeah i just remember the two of them just going we were on a plane or somewhere and somebody came up with a weird competition and we're going to put, I think, Paul Evans against Seve. And they, they both agreed. So but as there soon was... as we landed, we dropped off our our luggage at the rooms and then we went to the local bar. I don't know where it is. Maybe even San Diego. There was side. There was side. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was I was hammered. But there, there was side bets. I know that each... Yeah, player put down some side bet or whatever, um, but that okay. Two things though, I, I love that each plane ride, someone would come up with something and there would be side bets, and we'd go whether like, you know, some of them I can't even say on air with with the cancel culture, but but you know, we're, when we get to get there, this is what's going to go down. T Bone's going to try to eat ten hot dogs inside of ten minutes. It would, it would all, you know, and people would start putting yeah. money on it. It was one of those things, and. The yeah. best, the best that I love about the league, Cirque, and I know you got to. Do you know what my favorite little quirk of the of the West Coast League was? Was, um, going into Phoenix, and at a time at the time we all had a cell phone, but we weren't texting wasn't around then, or at least it was just a fetus, like it wasn't really a thing. Social media wasn't the thing, but we all had cell phones, and it, it was expensive to to phone home. And in Phoenix, there was this one little magic yeah. phone, right? And it was it was meant to be like it said under it, Phoenix cabs, like you know seven two two whatever. But it worked. And you told me I got into the league, and you're like, no, I've been here, I've been here. And, and even in the eye, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I played here before. You're like this this here is a magic phone. Don't make a big deal about it. And we would book it. Yep. I'd go to like Leo. I'm going to be on it from nine to nine thirty. And you would go, okay, boys, I want to go out a little bit early, so I'll be on 6 to 6.30. And we'd book the yeah, fucking we're... phone. And nobody, Cirque, nobody ever, ever called us on it. Who was paying the bill? No. Yeah. I know. That was a secret back phone. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is free calls. That was, it was great. You got to call your mom, Gail, and your dad, <laughs> Senior. And I called my mom in Sudbury. And it was all There was only garbage. nine teams in the league. So we were there like five, six times during the year. So I would just wait for the beer. I mean, I grab a beer stool, go down, got the phone. Everybody, when Mark, when Mark Gowan, I hope he's listening, when he found out about it, remember, and he would be talking to his girl. He, he would never get off the phone with his girl. It was always about his girl. And anyway, he was just transfixed. He would he would sit there from the time we got in until the time we went to bed on the phone. He'd bring sandwiches down. Hey, honey, how's it going? Oh. It, it was like a prison phone. It was. And and the other thing, there was always 
in that league. I mean, every league had tough guys, right? But there was always like the oh. Oglethorpe, like, oh, Rhett Tromley hasn't played in three years. Oh, he's going to come in next week. Mm-hmm. Like, it was always something. Somebody was like 46 yeah. years old that played in the 60s. Oh, yeah. He was going to come in. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. There was always something. And you could almost make up rules on the spot. Gunner, Gunner would go in the room and go, come out and go, okay. I get everybody to agree. The protected list, the protected list is now 26 instead of 22. And I'd be like, what? You just made a phone call and changed the league rule? Like, what? Remember halfway through the year, they yeah. took out the red line. Uh, it was just, it was like an experimental. Yeah. Uh, I like also when we went to Phoenix, I, I, I think you were there at the time when, uh, you remember Whitey, the bartender? Oh, God. Okay. Phil, me. Yeah, you. You knew this bartender, uh, and we—I I remember yeah. having like three hundred dollars worth of drink and paying for a Coors Light. Is yeah, that- uh, we're we're losing a little bit of connection, but I hope I, I get you through this story. Uh, you still got me? I got you, and we'll. Geez, sir, we've been going. So look, finish this story, and then I'll get ask you some quick ones, and we'll go. It is a bad connection, I. I but it, we, we've gotten enough to get through, and I really appreciate it. But anyway, keep going. Take, tell me the story. Yeah, no problem. When we went to Phoenix there and we stayed at the hotel and there was that Irish bar connected to the hotel. And uh, we called him Whitey because his hair was all gray. He's an old guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you still with me? I am with you. Okay. And, uh, you know, came to our bill and I don't know, like you said, it was, you know, two, two, two fifty, three hundred bucks. And I said, Whitey, I guarantee you, you got skid marks in your underwear. I said, if you got skid marks in your underwear, we get the tab for free. <laughs> wow. And what, and what did he do? But he didn't end up showing us, but he just gave us the tab because he didn't want to or something. Is that what happened? Yeah. I said, I, and I challenged him three times. I said, and all the boys are allowed. I said, Whitey, because he knows us. We were there so many times a year, and we're probably the only crew that sat there and had our shenanigans. Yeah, we, well, and, our uh, hub was the hotel bar. Everybody else went out to a bar. We used the hotel bar as a hub. Oh, yeah. We just walked 10 yards, and we were in the uh, elevator to our room. I mean, why we, not? I, I often said, why not? Why make it hard? Yeah, why not? Why make it hard? So I challenged Whitey three times. I said, Whitey, I guarantee you, in your white underwear, you got skid marks. I said, if you don't show those skid marks, this tab is for free. And he's going back and forth and he's he's attending to the other patrons and pouring draft and he keeps looking back. I said, keep saying, Whitey, come on now. <laughs> and then he, he uh he 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 wouldn't do it, so we had our whole tab for free. I do remember him, you know. I I'd love to go on a, a tour of the old places we used to play. That's I, that's what I miss. And there, I love Newfoundland. If there's one thing though. You're a bit isolated, at least during the pandemic. I usually fly, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have four or five trips a year just, just doing business stuff. <coughs> but hockey, you're traveling everywhere for, for free and you're meeting the same people. And in all these cities we're talking about, you know, I got a nucleus of people that I used to hang out with and uh, I miss that. Uh, just a few more questions then, sir. I appreciate your time. Another quick, another quick story, uh, Bone. Another quick story from the West Coast Hockey League. You remember going to Tucson? 
No. Tucson, Arizona. Maybe that was that was the other year, year you played. I played before you. But yeah, that was the year. Yeah, we were played. playing down down in Tucson, Arizona. Fucking old school fucking barn. I and they got the they got shitters. No doors or no nothing. Yeah. I remember sitting on the shitter, Jason Simon to the right. No, no doors, no nothing. Just open shitters. And I would, I would say, hey, chief, you got the business page? He goes, yeah. I said, fuck, slide her over. I, and he goes, you got the sports? I'm like, yeah. I already read it. it would slide her over. <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting on the shitter, and. Having a dump, reading reading papers and and sharing the uh, the paper with each other. You you can't write that. <laughs> but what what I like about it is that it becomes so normal. It becomes normal. It was like normal. I mean, when, if you if you brought that into the corporate world, they would be like, "Oh God, what is this?" When I oh yeah yeah, that's the biggest thing for me going to junior. Now again, I went from fourteen, so culture shock. When I say that, people often go like beer and, and drugs and women and, and for sure right because that was a wake up but but usually I had a captain there i had good ones my whole way i was very fortunate that way looking out for me a little bit so you know people knew that sheldon sir and i were in bantam playing junior so we saw those things but people were looking out for us but the thing that shocked me was the dressing room stuff like i i'd never showered naked before like with, with well i showered naked but not in front of people and then I get to junior and people are like, and at that time, like you, like you said, like in Quinnell, there was three toilets. They were all just toilets. They were there. There was no, there was no barrier. And then people would be talking yeah. and, and having a jump and, and naked and Mike Metcalf would be smoking a cigarette. I was like, this, wow, is this ever normal? Like it was like tribalism. I was like, what the fuck? But, it began, but then three months later, totally normal. It's a totally normal thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean- um, yeah, I mean, just like nah, going on the road, it's hard to explain. To me. Oh, yeah, like, nobody cared, and nobody judged anybody. Oh, if somebody would make fun if you're if you're fat or something, or you had a people a are big, American, big ass or something. Part of it. Well, I think what yeah, I think when you break it down, it's just you know, you're, you're you, when you're around people that much, they become like brothers and. It, the real human side of it, like we're all human here. Who cares? Like who? What are we doing? Do I need to put on a fashion show for you? You know, you shower like I do. Right. You take a whiz like I do. You know, so I, you, I, you I put didn't one really leg that put coming your pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. Exactly, and that's there. That's the benefits of playing on a team indirectly, <laughs> not like specifically being able to take a shit in front of each other. But I mean, the whole kit and yeah, caboodle I, of being able to hang out and, and rib each other and and live and be human and. And feelings, you know, sharing feelings. I wouldn't do that with with people before, like being on a team. I, I would feel weird just, you know, saying it to some people I even went to school with, but I was never close to. But you just get used to like being around guys all the time. It's something I miss. Yeah, and I and I will tell you if you're we're getting ready to end this up. Um, uh, I am today what it was because of hockey and. Um, yeah, there's certain sacrifices that probably would have made uh, different decisions in my life. But overall, I mean, if I was in charge of a company or police department or whatever, Costco, I would hire a hockey player. 
regardless of it's an education. I hear you, buddy. Um, I've well, often said it, sir. A, a, a dressing room is a microcosm of the real world. The, 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 the leaders in a, in a dressing room, chances are they're going to be leaders in real life, right? The scumbags that come in for two games, steal something and get traded, they're going to be scumbags. It's, and if, yep. if, you, if you were along for the ride and you're, if you're a reliable player and get, you know, and, and play a solid professional career, just to last on those teams means that you're a pretty good teammate, which means you're a pretty good guy, right? Or girl in today's world, whatever, you know, playing. I'm sure it's the yep. same way in female hockey world. It must be. Right. You can't you can't yeah. be a cancer in the room. It's going to be identified. You can't hide. And the only way to last is to be a team player. And the longer you last, you're at the top of that mountain. So I love that you said that. And I've always felt the same. Uh, OK, if you I'm going to do some rapid fire random search, these circle a lot of these don't necessarily have something to do with hockey, uh, but we're just going to okay. uh, finish with some lighthearted ones. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Rapid fire randoms. By the way, I only I did I only got to uh, uh, a few questions that I planned to ask you. I, I love it was basically a conversation. I like that. Um, okay, if you could make any attribute a ten in your skill set, being a hockey player, looking back, say you're seventeen years old, and you can make any one of your attributes a ten out of ten, what would it be? Passing. Good call. You're you're great. You got that. I always said it. A great breakout pass out of the zone. Always on the stick. Paul Coffey or Ray Bork? Coffey, for sure. Yeah, to too, he's too smooth. He's too smooth. The guy skates, and I I don't like to use the the term, but so sexy. Jesus, guy just glides. He glides. He was sitting in a chair going down. 49 goals. Can you imagine that? He nearly had 50 oh. goals. 50 oh. goals. God, if I, as a defenseman. If I could skate like that guy, I'd still be playing right now. Of all the, um, now Bork, of course, nor, I mean, it's a tough question because Bork all around and had some great offensive years, but people talk about Bobby Orr and they should, but I find it funny that. Oh, well, Bob. I mean, I'm not comparing the two. I just meant coffee or Bork. But I find it funny that yep. that coffee's not remembered more for offense. Like 49 goals to me is every bit as impressive as 120 points as a D. Like well, fucking 49 goals. I mean, come on. 50 goals. I don't care what era yeah, it was incredible. in either. I don't care who you played with. You're a defenseman. Um, okay. Yep. You can go in a time machine now. Would you rather be in a John Wayne movie? Or go on tour with Frank Sinatra. Jeez, I know this is tough. How long? I know you tour? love John How Wayne. Long I know you tour? Let's say Sinatra. How long is the tour? Is it a year? Sinatra is a month-long tour, and to be in the movie, your character is going to take a month to shoot it. So you're a month on set or a month on tour. I'm going Sinatra. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go get all those chicks that. Uh, are bouncing off Sinatra. Yeah, 100%. I think I would do the same. I think I would, for the reason you yep. said, I think it would have been a groovy, trendy, like, I, I think I would have been astounded to see John Wayne in action, but nothing that would have blown me. I think yeah. to, to go with Frank Sinatra and really go place to place would have been more eye-opening. Uh, that's what I think. 
and hang out with the Rat Pack. Uh, yeah, I know. Eh? Dean Sammy. and uh, Sammy. Sammy. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Shit. My- Drinking, favorite, by the way, drinking Crown Royal on the rocks, having a smoke, easy. What we would often do, for those of you still listening, uh, we would go on that old to old Chicago's, like I just said, with Cirque. If there was nothing on the go, if it was a Tuesday, we'd go back to Cirque's house, and there was a TV downstairs, and I'd throw on. And so Cirque had like every John Wayne movie. I'd never watched one. And I considered myself, even at the time, a bit of a movie connoisseur, but I never saw one John Wayne movie. I thought they'd be corny. And you told me, and I went and watched all of them, Cirque, all of them. Even the rare ones that you can only get on YouTube, I'll get them. My favorite two are True, True Grit and The Searchers. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's The Searchers is probably only because True Grit got, got remade and takes the turn, it tarnishes a bit, it a bit for me. But uh, th- those are personal reasons. If you were a superhero, which one would you pick? Which one would you be if you could be any any superhero right now? Huh. Spidey, yeah. Batman, nah. Is Hulk a superhero? Yeah. But yeah, I'd be Hulk. Because I'd want to be nice to people, but, but then would somebody really piss me off, I'd get to freaking pound them. Interesting. And well thought out. Yeah. What would your death row meal be? You, you got one meal left. And you uh, you want to make it a good one. Um, pierogies? Never. I, I could have sat here and guessed 50 times. I wouldn't have guessed that. I didn't know that about you. Pierogies, what are you going to yeah, have per- with it? Pierogi, steak, sour cream, onions, mushrooms. Pierogies are underrated, though. Fuck, they're yeah. good. There's not, there's not much to oh, God, dislike about a, a pierogi. Would you chop off a limb what for a million dollars? I'm sorry. I, I you, you cut off a little bit. Would you chop off a, an arm or a leg for ten million dollars? No, not a chance. Yeah, you're making pretty no. good money. If you're a cop, I don't need to do the math. I, I can do the math in my head. I mean, if you're a cop in Denver, you're making good money. Yeah, not a chance. Uh, would you sew a toe to your forehead for a billion dollars? For a billion? Yeah. For how long? Well, you got to sew a toe to your forehead for good. Oh, Brilliant. fuck no. Hell no. Uh, I'd rather, I rather just, you know, have a beer on my deck and relax. Fuck, I don't care. So that's, I'm guessing I know the answer to this coming question. You can either cruise across the world, go to the moon and back, Get free passes to every amusement park in the USA or spend a year at a cabin on the water. Which one? Year at a cabin on the water. Yeah, I figured yeah, that knowing yeah. you, I shouldn't even ask the question. Uh, what's your favorite bird? 
Favorite bird, eh? Yeah. Well, as I sit back on my deck, contemplate life. Um, I like the robin. The robin. I, yes. I when you said as I so, sit on my deck and I pictured a police officer on his deck in Denver staring out at the mountains, I figured you were going to say American Eagle. But Robin, no, Robin like is a very graceful bird. Robin is also a very yeah, I, mis- misunderstood bird. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Lemieux or Gretzky? Gretzky, come on. Golf or tennis? Golf. Red Sox or Yankees? Fenway, Red Sox. I love Fenway. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story about that. Yeah. My daughter and I, I took my daughter and her two friends. We went to Boston, went, took the train up to Maine, and then the train back from Maine to Boston. And then the three of us were walking around, had no tickets. And I seen the old, uh, old Boston cop. I said, hey, brother. I pulled out my badge, and I said, I'm just uh, – a cop from Denver, we'd, we'd like to see the game. He says, come with me. Boom, boom, boom. Bypass everything. And he said, enjoy the game. Deadly. So, I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I love Fenway. It's my favorite venue in the world to have a beer. Oh, Fenway. What a barn. It, it's, How good is it? I go to the, if, if I'm in town for a game, I go two hours early. As soon as the door is open, let me in. Oh. Yeah, just I, I don't I love that you got to squeeze past somebody and go over here and it, it's like the Maple Leaf Gardens or the Montreal Forum. Yeah, and this is history, man. And it's still there. And, and a lot of people that are our age or older really appreciate that and they know that and they go there to watch in that like like I said, I'm not a particularly a Boston Red Sox fan. I grew up a Yankees fan, but dad still loves the Yankees, but I cheer for the Jays because I watch them and I want to support a Canadian team. So the Red Sox wouldn't even be on there, yeah, but my course. favorite place to watch by a landslide. And there's a lot of people like me. They'll fly down just to watch a game in, in a pristine place. It's like the Roman Coliseum. We're losing all those places. Hopefully they can hang on. But at some point, yeah. corporate America is going to come man. at some point. It's just going to be too yeah. temp- tempting to, to build another uh, bigger uh, new age uh, stadium and, and make zillions of dollars. Name as many oh, of these seven so dwarves as you can. Yeah, seven. it's uh, it's unbelievable. Name the seven dwarves. Can't can't even name one. You can't name one. Nope. Dopey, Doc, Bashful, Sneezy, Sleepy, Grumpy, and Happy. Uh, name two, two of the friends from the TV show Friends. Don't know, hate it. I knew you. I figured you could. Ra- Rachel, Monica, Joey, Ross, Phoebe, and Chandler. Yeah. Wouldn't even care. You, you know, the I, reason why I don't like that. I like some of the sarcasm of Chandler, but I was way more, I'm way more Seinfeld comedy for that time. Um, yeah, you know, my, my, my ex-wife used to watch that all the time. And the only thing, well, I hated it was that laugh track. 
because they'd say something and then then the producer pressed their laugh track and it's supposed to be funny and i'm sitting there staring at the tv i'm like uh uh, that's not even funny so oh you're when i i I introduced you i I don't like the word old school being overused um and when i introduced you i said that but this guy is old school i didn't expect you to like friends um if you could live forever but you have to be a member of the boy band one direction would you do it 100 percent. yeah you'd just put your own dance yeah, you could put your own spin on it. Uh, yeah, no problem. Cirque, your favorite, last question, your favorite hockey team. Sorry, sorry, your favorite hockey player of all time. Played with or watched? Oh, like, you, you know, um, my favorite, I, I fucking hate because I love Lemieux and Gretzky, but. It's always hard when someone asks me. I don't know how to answer that, but I'm going to I'm going to say Cam Neely, right? He used to be what someone that I looked up to that I wanted to play like I, or Chris Nyland or someone like that. Like who in your life when you were a kid, I want to be that player. Not necessarily your favorite. Oh, you're, not, you're not Wayne Gretzky. Like but when you were yeah, no. I, I worded that wrong. Like who what player did you look up to? I want to be that player. God, it would have to be Wayne Gretzky because I, you know, I didn't know, know much and there was no exposure at that time. So I'd have, I'd have to say Wayne. It's yeah, hard just not to, guy. isn't it? Like when people ask me, I'm going, I don't know, but if you were, it was almost just the easy answer. Who else are you going to, I mean, Lemieux, yes, for lots of reasons. Now, after yeah. that, after that, I guess you could say Iserman or, or, you know, like you said, or, coffee or Bork, it starts to get, you know, or whoever after that, Lidstrom or, but like if you were alive in the eighties and you what you turned on the TV, it was impossible to see Lemieux and Gretzky, not like be way better than everybody else. And they won the scoring 16 years. Yeah, I mean, right. And you go a decade, decade more, it would be Wendell Clark. I mean, how, how could you not? The guy was well, transformed from a defense drafted as a defenseman, moved off the forward left wing, scored 40 goals and 300 penalty. I mean, the guy's I loved, a legend. I loved him. The he, only- would, he would be, he would be my se- second player of all time. I love Clark. He was one of my favorites. I think in my mind, he was so such a good hitter. I knew that I couldn't be that, but I figured oh. I could be Neely. Not not that Neely was a bad hitter. I just mean he was a little more lanky. And I'm not saying I'm fucking Cam Neely fifty goals, but you know, growing up looking when I was in major junior, I would go like, what would Cam Neely do in this situation, right? And I think my numbers kind of reflected it in junior, but Clark, I loved, it was just like, he was such a good hitter that, you know, it was, I I, I can't say I've I've even ever seen four guys, five guys, better hitters than that as a forward, as a forward. Terry, how, how, how do you go from defense to forward? It's incredible. In the first round, he's first, he was first overall. Yeah. And then become a forward and then go score freaking 40 goals and fight. And you, you know what Cochran. else? Uh, Go ahead. Oh God. No, he was he was incredible. He was the best, best all-around package in the game. It was short-lived because he played oh. so goddamn hard. But he was. He was a first-rounder that had 34 fights or something in his draft year. Like, that, that shit's yeah. crazy. Um, the other thing, what I thought, what, the Leafs at one time were good at identifying that. So Wendell Clark went from defense and then forward. Do you know who else? 
I think the Leafs' last 50-goal score, but Gary Lehman played defense for the Saskatoon Blades. He's a friend of mine now, and I I couldn't even believe Oh, yeah, I played with Gary. Yeah, and Gary won. He was part. He was what? He was part of the hound line. Yeah. He was part of the hound line. And he, he, he won year, magical year, one magical year, everything that went in for him. He was always a great player, but 50 goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs is crazy, man. And he did it, and he was a fucking defenseman the whole way up. There you go. So at one time, the Leafs had some great scouts. I'm not saying they don't now, but that whole time in between the 80s and now seemed like a big abyss. But, you know, those guys really did. They developed those guys better than anybody that I know that ever played defense. If they're scoring 50 goals and going first overall, right? Anyway, great answer, Cirque. I got to take off. I got a lot of shit to do. I'm glad that you came to to do on my show today to have a chat and catch up. You're one of my best buddies ever in hockey. And you know what happens? You call me every Friday when you're off having a beer and I'm at work. That's why I can't answer yes. the phone. I know you're wondering, but I can't. Okay, well, that 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 uh, figures things out. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, then you call me then. I'll leave it up to you. Cirque. <laughs> We'll talk next week, I'm sure. I want to see you here in Newfoundland at some point, though. You got to visit. My parents really want to see you again. As Uh, long as you got a couch, uh, as long as you got a couch, I'll sleep on it. Okay, Cirque. Well, it's it's here for you. We got some and everything you like. I can provide you a good time in St. John's, I guarantee. Long live the Golden Bee, where we used to hang out in in, uh, at the Broadmoor. Remember the Golden Bee? Uh, oh, the Golden Bee, where you took senior and you, you got stickers on the face. Yeah, one of these days. Look that up. That's one for the people listening. Look up the Golden Bee, one of the best, one of my favorite bars I've ever been at for many reasons. I'll get into it next time. Cirque, thanks a lot for joining me today. Love you, brother. Uh, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Hope to see you soon. God bless you and great talking to you. See you, buddy. Okay, there you have it. Sorry, uh, there was a few technical difficulties there, and we knew that going in. Um, Cirque is wherever he lives out in Denver. He said it's uh, not great reception when it comes to Zoom calls. But, hey, we got through it. Great friend of mine, good all-round guy, and uh, good Sudbury boy that that left home and uh, just did whatever it took to make it and was a very reliable defenseman for more than a decade in professional hockey. And now to nobody's surprise as a police officer in Denver, listen, thanks a lot for tuning in. I appreciate it. I'm getting all kinds of messages supporting the campaign. I'm, I'm running for Mount Pearl council. And uh, by this time next week, I guess I'll know the next time I'm on here and I talk to you guys, but listen, if I, whether I do or I don't, I don't want to be mean cliche, whether I, get on or not. I mean, um, it's been a fantastic prom, uh, pro, uh, geez, process from the point of view of meeting people and um, just discussion, right? I knock on doors here in Mount Pearl and everything, but most of the time it leads to conversations normally about hockey. Obviously I can't escape that, but people bring up stories and a lot of them listen to this podcast. I didn't realize that. I guess I could have assumed it though, my hometown, but that's, that's been great. And a lot of people are, have reached out and I, I've made some great connections one way or the other. Um, and I'm really proud of that. And whether I get in or not, I know that I'm going to have a bunch of people voting for me, you know, and if I get in, I don't want to let you guys down. If I don't, thanks a lot for, for believing in me and everything else. It's, uh, 
it's I really do hope I think I can do a great job for the city of Mount Pearl. And I think I work best in teams. I've said that. And that's uh, the ultimate team atmosphere is to be working on a city council for a city. And anyway, that that's my goal. I think I can do it. And if not, you uh, fall back 10 yards and punt, you move on life's life. And it's not that I haven't um, been knocked down before you just keep going and you, uh, you figured it out and you, you figure it out to take advantage of your opportunities that's just my point of view but a lot of you i know that we talk and you text me and we talk about uh mental health issues and a lot of it you know you you can help yourself let's you can always help yourself put it that way you know you can you can it's easy to get discouraged but take it from me who's for lack of a better way to put it, who's failed in the public eye more than once. Uh, it, it used to mean so much to me, and I, I, I felt it, it weighed on my mind. But now, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's just another battle. You don't win every battle, right? You, you, you win some, you lose some. But if you give it your all and you look at it with a positive outlook and you embrace people with compassion and understanding and kindness, I believe that you, you make your path you at least take the path of less resistance when you when you look at it from that way at that point of view. Thanks a lot for tuning in again to this episode 70, which is something of a landmark, I guess, seeing that I didn't even know if we'd get to number five. So number 70 feels good. Jeff Circa, thanks a lot. Carlo Koliakovo next week. Craig Rivet the week after should be good. Hockey season starting. I'm loving it. For those sports fans out there, check out the Blue Jays if you're from Canada. Uh, that's not always a good thing. A lot of you are, are, are Yanks or Red Sox fans, as as uh, would be expected, uh, just judging from all the messages I get. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. I love the Blue Jays. I love playoffs, no matter what sport it is. And uh, I'm going to lend them as much of my positive karma, put it that way, as I can. Penny Posh, Women's Rear Re- Reimagined. Check it out. Wedgwood Cafe. What an awesome spot to have a meal or get catering from Trinity pub. Check it out. George street. They got uh, food now and they got uh, some awesome deals during the week. TJ's pub, TJ's patio. Always a great spot to go. Green sleeves, downtown, uptown. Come check us out. This has been episode 70. Thanks. Cirks. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Catch you on the rebound. I'm out.